How do you know the life or personal coach you are about to work with is who they say they are? How do you know if they can do the job? At the Africa Board for Coaching, Consulting and Coaching Psychology, we can tell you. So, before you share your secrets and spend your money, check with us first. Visit www.abccp.com or call us on 012-751-7608. The ABCCP, the professional... More music, more inspiration, Harley Davidson. There are no words. to highlight that people who work in healthcare are people. They bleed, they get hungry, they make mistakes, but also to educate us because at some point we all need healthcare. Do we know enough? Do we ask questions? Do we just take it for granted that what happened with you? Oh, I don't know. Okay. And also in healthcare, there's so many topics that we don't talk about. We don't bring that up at the dinner party. And I think we need to change that. So, more about me. I am a master coach. I am a master mentor. And it is, healthcare is my home. It's where I grew up. Um, I've worked in healthcare for 22 years in medical device sales. And then from there, have been a coach for the last 10 years. When we come back, I'm wanting you to meet a medical student. You know, when we're all growing up and we, oh, when I'm big, I want to be a doctor. Our guest did that. He wanted to be a doctor. And we're going to follow his journey of what went wrong, what's going right, and um, learn more about the actual industry. So let's take that break. Dad, where did babies come from? Dad, stop. Think. This is a huge important question in your daughter's life and needs to be handled delicately. Too much information will lead to a lifetime of therapy. Not enough information will also lead to a lifetime of therapy. But you do need to respond with honesty and confidence. Think. What would Elliot do? Hmm. You should ask Mommy. That's her department. Smooth move, Dad. Smooth move. For well-considered smooth moves, Elliot is amazing. You're listening to Vuga Online Radio. And welcome back. You are tuned to Healthcare Hour with Colin Quist and this VUCA Online Radio, your inspiration radio station. Today I have an awesome guest whose name is Keaton Harris. And I'm not going to introduce him because we hear so much more about him. But suffice to say that he is a medical student, he's a pharmacist, and he's a med tech entrepreneur. So, Keaton, welcome. Thank you so much, Colleen. It's a privilege to be here today. Yes. So let's start unpacking you, Keaton. Let's hear more. So when you were growing up, did you want to be a doctor? Yes, I I really did want to be a doctor. Um, I think many kids, they 
they, they they see it on TV and they see the the toys in the checkers aisle and the pick and pay aisles, and some gravitate towards it and some don't. So I gravitated towards it, um, and then as I started going through primary school, it sticked. Went through high school and it stayed there, and I started going exploring a little bit more in terms of the medical aspect, not only of people medicine, but also of animal medicine. So I did my grade 10 job shadowing in veterinary medicine. And I just, I remember starting there and seeing him cut into a dog and I'm just like, nope, nope, that's, that's not happening. Um, and then I was like, okay, let's go and try the human aspect of things. And I was an asthmatic as well growing up. So um, my parents were divorced well, still are divorced. Um, and I would go to a government hospital when I had my asthma attacks in high school. So I just had a lot of pre-exposure towards the hospital environment. Like when I was 16 years old and like 15 years old, I'd go for an asthma attack and I'd just see people walking around with blood bags. <laughs> so call it early sensitization towards it or something. But yeah, I guess the, the feeling's always been there. All right. So, yes, awesome. It's it's quite cool how we expose to things as children and we don't realize how it imprints us. Yeah, no, it's, so, it's, it's interesting. Yes. So you finished matric, obviously way before you finished matric, you applied to medical school or medical schools and you don't get in. Pretty much. That That's how it went. Well, I did. I, so... I was only able to apply to two medical schools because I finished my trick when I was 17. So my mom, who's, like I said previously, a single mom, she really wanted me to to stay at home base for a bit. Um, yeah, I think she was just a little bit worried that I wouldn't be able to cope in a, in the big wide South Africa if I was to be put on the other side of the, com- um, of the, com- of the country. Um, yeah, that's basically it. So you wanted to stay, you want for you to stay close. Okay. And then of course you apply to your local universities. Um, you're based in Cape Town, aren't you? So I assume that would be UCT and Stellenbosch. Yes, that's correct. Okay. And they both say, no, thank you, Keaton. We regret to advise you. On the same day. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. And how did that feel? I'm not going to lie. I was shattered. Um, I remember sitting in the, in my lounge at home and both of my letters came on the same day. If I remember correctly, it was the 12th of September, 2012. Um, my marks were were pretty decent. So I, I always worked hard given the circumstances at home. And I I really just wanted to, you know, make a difference because I knew that I had a passion for the medical field. And two days before it was kind of this this weird identity crisis, I guess, because the teacher actually went around the room and asked, okay, so what has everyone applied for? And I put my hand up and I said, no, I've applied for medicine. And I think I was overconfident in a way because at both those universities, I only applied for medicine. I didn't put down a second option. I didn't put down a third option. I didn't know about the, the BSc entry at Stellenbosch where you can go over jump over after first year um and the teacher actually told me she's like I don't see you as a doctor 
And that coupled with the rejection that I got two years later, not two years later, later, sorry, two days later. um, And also two years later, actually, it took me quite a while to get it. Um, Yeah, it it, it was a very, a very weird feeling. Um, Other than being shouted on the day, it made me think that, you know, maybe this isn't for me. It's a great point that you're bringing up there that sometimes when the door doesn't open or the door shuts in our face, that we suddenly feel like, okay, well, this is not our route. This is not our path. This is not our journey. So what made you persist then? I think you can call it an emptiness. Um, So as I was studying pharmacy, so I got into UWC for my pharmacy degree in the same year. Um, I got accepted in four minutes on the 4th of October, 2012. And yeah, UWC was known as like, you know, it accepts everyone apparently. Um, But when you get there, you realize, no, that's not true at all. Like you have to have a specific level of smarts to get into that university too. And yeah, it's... uh, I think when we started doing practicals and we started delving in into the clinical realm and getting tours of hospitals and clinics, I felt too restricted. Like I, I'd be in the pharmacy and like, you know, I'd know where the stuff is. I'd walk around the pharmacy helping patients, but I didn't want to have that glass window separating me from them. I wanted to be next to them, by their bedside, examining them, helping them from not only a healthcare perspective, but you know, giving them a word of encouragement every now and then. And I just wanted to be more a part of their journey to create their foundation. And that yearning just never went away. It actually grew stronger as the years went on. And yeah, I think that was that. Okay, so you knew in your heart that it wasn't enough. Okay. And for other people it is because it's their path, it's their journey, but it wasn't yours. So you then started applying again. Did you, you finished your pharmacy degree? Yeah. So I, so I started, I applied every year at various universities. I thought that I would be able to, so I got straight A's in first year. Uh, I was top of my class at the end of my degree. And after first year, I told myself, you know, if I work really hard, then maybe, just maybe, they'll see on a university level that I'm good enough. So I worked insanely hard in first year. I remember I got like 96% for university maths or something like that. Like I literally did not have a life. It was wake up, study go to class, come back, eat something like, you know, through the way, just because, and go back home, sleep, take a small little nap, wake up, study, do assignments. And that was my routine for that entire year. And yeah, it was just, I thought I, I thought I'd be able to get in after that and it didn't happen. And my mom, on the other hand, she was, we were besides ourselves. I mean, I remember we stormed into UCT's admissions office and my mom actually picked up the table that was inside the lady's office because um, she was just so frustrated that I couldn't get in because she she knew that's something I really wanted to do and I'd proved myself in the process. Yeah. 
So it's quite easy to say, oh, I didn't get in because of, or I didn't. But also, you know, looking back and saying at the point where you did get in, what did, you know, if you had got in as the 17-year-old compared to the 17-plus-year-old, um, what, how were you different? Yeah, that's a loaded question. Um, so I think when I was 17, I didn't have as much world exposure and world experience. Um, when I remember when I hit third year pharmacy, I told myself, Keaton, you're already more than halfway with your degree, just finish it. And I started reaching out towards other avenues of university life, student leadership. I applied for a scholarship known as the A. Bailey Scholarship, where they choose one person from each university every year and they fly to the UK. I ended up getting that. I flew around the world in second year for my med tech business and entering and representing South Africa. Like it's, it's all about the journey, like you said. And I look at myself now, where start, having started medical school at 22, and I'm near the end, but I could see the gap between myself and the younger students, specifically at the beginning. I knew how to study, how to take on workloads. I wasn't hit as hard with that jump from first to second year because that jump, you feel it even as, a, as an older student. But I could not have imagined how it was feeling for the younger students because that workload went through the roof. And I believe like when, when you have so much more experience with what life has to throw at you and you've kind of found your footing in the real world, you're not rocked as as heavy with this the minor inconveniences, if that makes sense. Whereas, let's say, for instance, I stubbed my toe. Oh, it would be a big thing for the 17-year-old Keaton. Like, oh, my gosh, my toe. You know, I have to take the whole day off. And 17-plus-year-old Keaton who's gone through a degree before medical school would be like, okay, cool, Keaton, just cut the toe off. Like if it if it pays, cut it off and move on with your life. There's there's, there's nothing that's let's not sweat the small things. Let's just no, move exactly. on from there. Yeah, exactly. There's okay, let's move on for a break, Keaton. Let's move on for a break, and we're going to come back and and look to see. Okay, you got in. You're going to look at the change between yes, you've explained to us, but also what it takes to survive medical school. Hundred percent. But first, we'll go for that break. The roads have emptied, only us left, kids sleeping in back. Cat's eyes shine bright, white lines roll by, the rhythm of the streetlights. Radio hums quietly, rain starts, hypnotic wipers. Pulling, hot latte and apple pie, ease back into the darkness. Over 600 McDonald's open 24 hours. We are awake. Vuga, it's time to wake up. Hi there and welcome back to Healthcare Hour with Colin Quist. Today's guest is Keaton Harris. He is a medical student and he has wanted to be a doctor but didn't get into medical school. So he went off and he tried alternative uh, ways. He was a top A student. He ended up doing a pharmacy degree and he still didn't get in. And this is worth trying each time. We've spoken about how he knew. He said that there was still an emptiness in him, that he, he, there was still seeking something more 
to actually sit at the patient's bedside. And so we've also said that there was a difference between the 17-year-old Keaton who didn't get into medical school compared to the 22-year-old that did. And you were saying that you were more grown up, more able to not sweat the small things um, and, you know, it could overcome better than if you'd been 17. 100%. That's exactly that. Good summary. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So now when I'm a coach, you see, when you got finally got in, I can imagine you probably didn't believe we are pleased to advise that as opposed to we regret. <laughs> How did that feel? Um, <laughs> I'm actually reminded of the entire story. It was it actually all happened in the ice store in Somerset West. So I got in two universities in the same year. I applied for the graduate entry medical program at the University of Witwatersrand. And while I went to go write the exam up there, I got a call from Stellenbosch to say that I have an interview um, based on my letter of motivation that I submitted. So I flew down after my exam, um, sat in there, and then I remember they had my motivation letter and was highlighted everywhere. And I thought to myself, oh, no, <laughs> here we go. Um, and then they said, at the end of the interview, they said, okay, do you have any questions? And I'm like, no, no questions. And she's like, okay, cool. We'll let you know tomorrow if you're in or not. And I was like, oh, okay. what? <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, no. Yay for no sleeping tonight. So, yeah, went home and updated my Apple device and the device crashed. So now the next morning I go to the Apple store and when someone says they're going to call you in the afternoon, in my mind, I'm thinking it's 3 p.m., 4 p.m., not like 12.01 or 12.02. Oh, okay. My brain thinks 12.01, Keaton. Yes. <laughs> so then maybe I'm the one that doesn't think, okay, late afternoon. Let, let's put it that way, late afternoon. And I go to the ice store and my mom comes running in. And she's like, Stellenbosch is on the phone, Stellenbosch is on the phone. I'm like, okay. So now I'm on the phone and I'm in the middle of the ice store. And the lady's on the, on the phone. She's like, hi, Mr. Harris. Do you want to know how your interview went? How do you think it went? And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, please just cut to the chase. Like, I'm not for small talk. If I didn't get it, just tell me. And I remember my mom's face. She was staring at me for just some inkling of, of what the outcome was. Because she's very much been part of the journey with me throughout all these years. And she's like, well, the outcome of your interview is, and then she left a 10 second gap. And she said, pack your bags, you're coming to med school. And I remember just dropping to the floor and crying. And your mother was still none the wiser, whether it was a yes or a no. <laughs> no, she she looked at me. I looked at her and I did a thumbs up. And in the middle of the ice store, she shouted, my son got into medical school and the whole store started clapping. (laughs) So call it a very unique story of how I, how I got in. Um, And then I just remember walking out the ice store 10 minutes later and thinking to myself, I can't believe the hardest part is over. I, I'd finally 
hit every I've hit every barrier that possibly could have happened and I did it I got into medical school and I thought it was a lie <laughs> I mean I thought someone was pranking me or something because it just felt too good to be true um and then fast track a few months later I also got into vets to start third year medicine so now I had options which I didn't expect to have yeah so so that that's that's how it felt when I got in absolute surrealism so we can see that certainly the rejection and the acceptance have been ingrained in you. They're engraved on your heart and in your mind of the memory of opening the letter, getting the phone call. So now get into, get into medical school. Is it how you imagined it would be? Yes. I, sorry, that, that, that pause, I had to think about it there for a while. Um, I'd actually say yes and no. Yes, in terms of the impact that you're allowed to make. No, in terms of just how the, 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 the course itself is handled. Um, I remember starting when, when I went into first year, it, it was very much your first and second year is very theory based. And I was like, I was gearing to go. Like, you know, put me in the wards, let me go, let me go, save people, chest compressions, push one of epi like they're doing Grey's Anatomy. I'm ready to, to, just, to just go. And then I really had to ground myself. And I told myself, Keaton, you are finally here. Now do it right. Because I had now chosen to go to Stellenbosch. I got a scholarship, not from Stellenbosch, but from an external company. So that stress of not being able to afford it was now also taken away, which was great. And I remember sitting in the lectures and I'm just like, okay, cool, but is this medicine? Like, I thought I'm supposed to be learning this by the patient's bedside. Isn't that what they do? So that part for me was completely different, like building up. And then it made sense because, you know, I'm dealing with 17 and 18 year olds. Like they, they, they're none the wiser. They just, they're fresh out of high school, top achievers and everything. And they're going through their own midlife crises because they were a top achiever in their high school and now they're getting 60% because of the difficulty of it. So they're all going through their own midlife crises. Um, and, but when I hit third year, which was also conveniently COVID, I started feeling like a medical student. I started feeling like I knew this is exactly where I want to be. When I got did my first blood draw and I forgot the tourniquet on the guy's arm because I was so happy to have got a blood from his arm. That, that you, you, you can't compare the feeling. It, it's it's just so like that you can't describe it. It's when you when you just know you're supposed to be somewhere, you just know. And nothing can take that away from you. Okay, so, yes, so I love, I can see little Keaton um, skipping through the ward because finally he gets to see patients and is not sitting in lectures. Um, I love the idea that 18-year-olds have midlife crises, but yes, they have the crises at their time. And very valid point, when you've been a top achiever and now you get somewhere where everybody are top achievers and suddenly you get 60, which people who often get into medical school have never got 60. So it can really be a shock. All right. So I know before we've spoken about medicine being a toxic place. Could you unpack that? 
Yeah. Um, so there's a very strong hierarchy. Hier- wow. Okay. Hierarchy. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. English isn't my first language. So oh, well, curious. I cannot interview you in any other language than English. <laughs> yeah. So we will, I will struggle. There's a hierarchy in, um, in the hospital is from what I really feel. Um, there's a common sense of because I suffered in medical school, it is now your turn to suffer. That comes in an array of different ways and forms, whether it be you needing to be in hospital at 8 a.m. in the morning until 4 p.m., despite you having seen one patient and you're just there to fill space because they won't let you go home. And this isn't Tigerberg specific. I'm putting that out there. It's luck of the draw, whether you're placed at an external clinic, whether you're placed in a hospital up the road, whether you're placed somewhere else, it's very far away. It's just that ingrained nature of, because I suffered and I did this and I got emotional trauma from those doctors when I was a student, it is now your turn to feel that same emotional trauma, that same physical exhaustion, that same degree of imposter syndrome that they felt when they were a medical student, which to me is, it's, it's, it's a very toxic manner of thinking of medical school and thinking of medicine. Times have definitely changed. And I feel I can say that with my age, seeing as I'm nearing 30. So times have definitely changed in comparison to when they were medical students. We as students are a, a lot more vocal about how we feel. B, we're a lot more cognizant of how we feel. So in those days, depression and anxiety were a thing that was stigmatized. Yes, it's still stigmatized today, but to a lesser extent than what it was. And people speak a lot more open about it. And I think that's also where, you know, coaching comes in as well, because it helps people look forward. And it's it's important to look forward to you know how to deal with these issues from a, a very toxic environment and how to shift your your narrative and your own thought processes to deal with that environment. Because as a single individual, you standing up to Dr. X is not going to reinvent the wheel. A, it's going to make your life living hell. And I say that very loosely because at the end of the day, they need to sign you off. And if they don't sign you off, you don't complete. And if you don't complete, you don't finish your rotation and there's more stress with it. They literally don't understand the power that they have, but they know they have power. And you just stand there and you're like, okay, cool. You go with the flow because no matter how difficult it is, no matter that test that you have to study for, you still have 800 pages to go through of your textbook. But you know that at this point, if you don't go in and you don't fulfill the requirements that they have set, they're not going to sign you off. And then you're stuck. So we're hearing an environment that is still doing the things the way they used to. The way we, and we're not going to change because it's the way we used to do it. What's happening now is, as you now get, you know, the youth of today, as we call it, 
the youth of today are becoming doctors. The youth of today are doctors. And the youth of today, as we also know, are different. And so you're seeing more pressure, more to do things differently, to have balance, to have a family, to, to not only be a doctor. So when I come back then, Keaton, I'd like to speak about your other life. You know, were you talking about your medtech entrepreneur? To, to have that your identity is not only a, as a doctor. So let's pop out for that break. No one decides to go into debt. It creeps up on you. Slowly. Debt follows debt. Follows debt. Unless you do something about it. Face your debt problems before they cripple you. It's time to do something. Vuga, it's time to wake up with Vuga Online. Hi there and welcome back. You're tuned to Healthcare Hour with Colin Quist. We are speaking to Keaton Harris. Keaton is a medical student. He is also a pharmacist and a medtech entrepreneur. And he shared with us his journey of getting into medical school. It wasn't straight. It wasn't just choop, top marks and in we go. Also, we've heard about his resilience of, yes, when he eventually did get in, how those things have become part of him. We, he literally knows how it feels where he was. But let's expand on the, on the idea that you're not only a doctor, that you need an identity out of a single word. Talk to us about your medtech entrepreneurship. So, A, I will say, I will preface what I'm going to say with this. Balance is not easy, but it is so beneficial once you get it right. And I love how, what you said at the beginning, doctors are human, we bleed, and we feel emotions. And I think that is what leads me into wanting to have changed the medical aspect of things using my medtech entrepreneurship. When I was in first year pharmacy, not first year pharmacy, sorry, first year medical school, I came across a program known as Young Sustainable Impact. And I had a few modules off, so I didn't start second year. I started from the beginning and did all the life orientation modules that were there and all of the extra things that my pharmacy degree didn't do. So I had quite a lot of time and I am the type of person, I can't sit still. There's, there's, there's no way, I have to be on the go 24 seven. So I applied to this Young Sustainable Impact Project. They had five rounds of selection. I remember it clearly. And only to find out that only choose 21 people from across the world and there were more than 10,000 applicants. So they've sifted through 10,000 applicants. And now in my head, I'm telling myself, you know, Keaton, you are literally one person. How in the world are you going to make it into the top 21? And I remember just going through the application process throughout the year. They tell you what percentage you are at. Like, oh, you're now in the top 20%. Oh, you're in the top 5%. Then you're in the top 0.2%. In the top 0.01%. And then at the end of the day, I got it. So I was put in a team of two other very, very intelligent individuals from across the world. 
uh, focusing on a sustainable development goal of interest, which was sustainable development goal three, good health and well-being. And we went through a lean canvas type of methodology towards establishing a startup. And we came up with Informed Global, which is a language translation tool for healthcare workers. So it's still in the process of being developed. We're in year four now, since, since then. And it basically creates a translation mechanism where if you are saying something in English, you can type it in English and auto-translate it into any other language. So the translations are built into the actual app itself and it's by doctors for doctors. So we only get translations from people who can show A, that they are proficient in English. So whether it be a TEFL certificate if they're international or their degree was using English as a medium of instruction and they need to show that they are also proficient in another language, whether it be their home language on an international platform, whether it be a local language such as Isiklosa, Isizulu, um, something to that effect, whether it be a matric certificate that shows that they had it as like a home language so that you have evidence of it because when it comes to the medical legality of everything, it becomes very difficult. If I say, take two tablets twice a day, and you've now put it as take one tablet four times a day. We are in a little bit of a, a little bit of an intricacy here. And I think that's what I initially found with other translation apps like Google Translate. If you had to type in their medical jargon, it would not come up as medical jargon. And we used that as the basis towards creating this app. So yeah, that was that was the app in question um I'll, I'll let you tell me which way you want me to go with with that okay. info <laughs> right. so let's step into from an empathy point of view of saying that there's nothing worse than being sick and you, there's nothing worse than you having somebody who is ill in front of you and you can't understand each other of you know how long have you been coughing what's happened to you um where's the blood coming from what color is the blood so all those things so i assume that your app is then to take that away so that the, the patient can communicate and the, the doctor is able to understand and, you know, have a conversation. 120%. To be able to get a history. Yeah. No, that's 120% correct. Um, it also is there so you're not doing millions and millions of tests to try and figure out what is wrong. It saves money. It saves time. It saves sanity of trying to figure out and putting everything together and coming up with 17 diagnoses says more money on scans, radiation on the patient. There's just a myriad of factors that this little intervention that nobody had yet thought of is now able to just change the entire facet of the doctor's history. And so to your point as well, it also allows more connection because instead of saying, oh, Mr. Harris, you're sick. Okay, let's go find out why. And I run off and go do tests. I'm actually able to speak to you of saying, well, what part of you sick? Okay, your toe. Show me your toe. Why is it sick? Um, as opposed to, oh, let me go rough, rush off and do lab tests to find out uh, why your toe sick. Exactly. No, that that that's the that's a perfect sound. Okay. All right. So let's go back to doing things differently, wanting balance. How have you managed to juggle all of it? <laughs> 
Sometimes. I'm chuckled because that is always the question I get asked because everyone knows me. I, I'm, you know, they say don't put all your eggs in one basket. I have like 20 baskets and there's eggs in all of them. <laughs> so everyone always asks me that, that exact question. And it's always such a, such a pressure point because <laughs> I feel like I have to have an answer. But to be honest, you don't have to have an answer, Keaton. Yeah. Like it's, it, it's literally, I realized going through medicine that there is so much more to medicine than just sitting at your desk and studying. I, call it me when I was doing second year medicine, basically overseas, because I was overseas more than I was in class. And just going overseas and doing all these things and not having to pay for a flight ticket and creating these experiences that really opened up my eyes to the possibilities of things outside the classroom. Like you're, you're not confined towards that. And then I also started like, you know, thinking to myself, okay, cool. You know, you, you've done this. I mean, I, I was always a, I always played video games, but like you, you never have time for video games as a medical student. Apparently you, there's always this cliche. Oh, you're a medical student. It's tough. You, you have to study 24 seven. You can only drink coffee and you know, there's this, this, this ball that you have to like fit into a square and you have to fill it. Doesn't matter how you do it, you have to fill it. So I think I started to realize what I found important in life. Um, it, it took a few years, but I think it was primarily between my first year of medical school and fourth year of medical school that I really started to develop into myself. Um, and who I wanted to become as a human being, not just as a doctor. And I think it was probably because my mind was so full of getting into medical school. And now the fight to get in was there. Now it was just me against me. It's, it's no longer me against the rest of the kids in South Africa trying to get into medical school. And yeah, I, I look back now and I'm actually shocked at how I've balanced things. I mean, I've done student leadership since first year. I've been on the student council twice. I just finished my second term. And I've done head mentors for the biggest private student organization, the whole of Stellenbosch University, vice chairperson of societies, still got straight A's. And now I have a fiance who's also from the same university. And it looks so pretty when you put it into that perspective. And it looks, it looks like everything just went well. But what you don't see is the breakdowns, the tears, the thoughts of not being good enough, the two days before the test where I feel like an actually zombie and I go through self-doubt and self-confidence issues because I can't get through the content, the fear of being grilled in a practical OSCE by a doctor who has been through a very rigorous you know, a medical school background and is now going to take that out on you in your practical exam. It's, it's things you don't see that people need to know and people need to hear. And that's why these type of podcasts are so important. So thank you for explaining because so often people see the top of the iceberg and they see the success, they see the yay, but they don't see the blood, sweat and tears that went in to get to the yay. They don't see... Um, 
And I'm sure your mum, as you've mentioned before, played a huge big role in getting you through to reach the yay. 100%. I mean, my mum has been my biggest supporter from the beginning. Um, and then my when my fiancé came, she's also become a very, a very big support system. And I'll be honest, if it wasn't for my mum, I probably wouldn't have been as far as I am now. I remember we come from quite quite a financially stricken background. We ate knickknacks for a week uh, when I was in high school because that's all we could afford. And that's why I'll never eat knickknacks again. So whenever someone offers at a party, I'm like, thanks, PTSD, we're not going to do that today. <laughs> um, You've just lost the sponsorship now from knickknacks. They will not be contacting you. That's fine. <laughs> yes. I, I, will, I will handle that sponsorship to someone else. They can give it to someone else. Um, yeah, I think that was, that was the one crux of it. And she literally sold all of the furniture that was in our house to pay for my initial... Um, acceptance fee that initial registration fee to get it, to start at uwc school of pharmacy so if you never did that i wouldn't be here speaking to you now all right so let's go for that break and when we come back we're going to have closing comments if you're enjoying this interruption and find the sound of my voice captivating you may be experiencing extreme boredom. Try new, fast-acting Subaru Impreza in hatch or sedan, formulated with symmetrical full-time all-wheel drive. Cure boredom fast with new Impreza. Stay woke with VUGA Online Radio. Welcome back. You tuned to Healthcare Hour with Colin Quist. Today's guest is Keaton Harris. He is a medical student, and he's been sharing with us about how difficult it has been for him to get into medical school. And he has said that without his mom, he wouldn't be as far as he is. And also for us to realize that he hasn't come from a privileged background. He's come from a privileged background in terms of support and in terms of having people there for him. But the money had to come from somewhere. So added to the stress of not getting in, it was also about finding the money. So Keaton, let's, in closing, let's hear from you a how long before we can call you Dr. Harris? And B, what is your message for the young people out there? You know, the kids of South Africa, as you called them, when they, oh, I want to be a doctor. So it's, it, I'm looking at my watch now. I think it's, if I'm not mistaken, between 15 and 16 months before I can put the, the doctor in front of my name. So that's when the 10 years of studying will have a little bit worth it um yeah so 16 months and my message to to the little kids I'm going to call them little kids because there there's so much more to life than than where they are now and they'll soon realize it is that if you want to study to become a doctor don't let the pressures of society stop you if you feel that yearning do something about it because when you finally get in and you realize that it's where you're supposed to be, everything else will just work itself out. Whether it be financial strife, whether it be um, you believing you're not good enough, carry on pushing, carry on reminding yourself why you are doing what you're doing. And don't take other people's opinions as dictating the direction of your life. Because a dream delayed is not a dream denied. 
Thank you so much, Keaton. Um, we can't wait to be calling you Dr. Harris. We know that you'll, you will certainly be doing it. So do come back and see us. Um, to remind the kids that they aren't kids, you're young adults, not kids, as Keaton calls you. <laughs> and yes, to, to know that when, when your why is big enough, you can do anyhow. Yeah. So thank you very much, Keaton. It's been a pleasure having you as a guest. Thank you so much, Colleen. It was absolutely great. Okay. You've been tuned to Healthcare Hour with Colleen Quist. My guest today has been Keaton Harris, and he's been chatting to us about being a medical student, and one day, very soon, he's going to be a doctor. Please remember out there that you are loved, that you matter, and I'll see you next time.